السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala we seek blessings on the prophet peace be upon him so my assignment is to speak more on the community aspect and most of my focus is on the college terrain as many of you know so i'm going to give you first an overview of what's been taking place in the mind of college students which also i think will give us a sense of what's going on throughout the sentiments of our whole community second i'm going to talk a little bit about about what we're talking today as white supremacy and alternative facts and then third giving a little bit of of perspective from the perspective of deen right because that's why we are here that's why we are in a musalla So first and foremost, uh, a major part of my work at at the university is what we call pastoral care. Students come to me with seeking advice for whatever problems they have, family problems, academic problems, theological problems. And uh, almost exactly 2 years ago, the number of students that have been visiting me skyrocketed. Uh, anybody remember what happened 2 years ago? In North Carolina, uh, there were three Syrian kids, three Syrian young people who were killed point blank. and then i don't know if it was finally determined to be a hate crime first they were saying it was a it was a a parking a parking dispute but what happened in the minds of of many students from that point forward was that all of the things we've been saying for years that at some point the dam is going to break and all the hatred that people have been growing against us is now going to explode and for the minds of many students this has now become begun so that was february 2 years ago and from that point forward students had been visiting me nonstop complaining about anxiety and then the entire 2015 2016 school year the number one issue that students came to me with was complaints about anxiety pure fear of what is happening to them pure fear of what is happening in our society then usually we begin the school year uh, every fall with a lot of energy right a lot of excitement it's the new school year fall is usually a time of a lot of happiness but this past fall 2016 students have been coming to me completely exhausted and i think all of us understand this because remember what happened last summer last summer we had the shootings in orlando we had a bombing of all places auzu billah for all of these in medina right we had the attempted coup in turkey and also bombings in bangladesh bombings in somalia bombings in pakistan elsewhere and so now the students have reached a point that they're still full of anxiety but they're completely psychologically exhausted and that's not even talking about the political situation okay then when we reached november what was taking place on that tuesday of election night students started calling me and texting me saying he's going to win okay. and i think some of us had the same sentiment and i said no 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 there's no chance for him to win not possible and then 8 p.m. more calls 9 p.m. more calls 10 p.m. more calls and i'm still saying don't worry none of this is going to happen and then by 11 o'clock 12 o'clock then i started thinking okay uh he's going to win okay. and we see where we are from there from that week non-stop for 24 hours for nearly one full week students have been terrified okay what is now going to happen to us and again i'm suspecting that many of us in this room have had the same question okay what is now happening for muslims in our society in particular and minorities in general in our society then moving forward we saw an increased number of attacks in ahmed uh, he he can address all the details of those but as you and i are looking on facebook that's all you're seeing 
On the one hand, the president. On the other hand, attack against Muslim, attack against Muslim, attack against Muslim. Obviously, you and I know the attacks have been against many groups, but the ones that have been catching our attentions have been the attacks on Muslims. Then we reach the point of the inauguration, and now students are coming to me crying. Okay. And the point I want you and I to think about, because all of us have been facing this, is that this bombardment of attacks, at the very least in media, which you and I know has been going at least back to 9-11, and if not 9-11, it's been going back all the way to the early 90s, okay? if not even earlier than that, that the students are reaching a point where their psychology is decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. And to make this point even further, in a given year, I will have one or two students who comes forward with what we call suicidal ideation, meaning someone who is talking about ending their lives. Okay. Uh, not yet making any moves, you know, doing uh, anything harmful, but talking about it. In December, uh, eight students came to me, okay. just in that period of time. Okay. So that number has skyrocketed. These are the people who are coming to me who knows how many people are not coming forward. And so what is taking place among 20-year-olds who have no memory of 9-11 because they're too young. So their entire lifetime, America has been in war. America has been in war with Muslims. Okay? And in addition, you and I who are older, we remember a time where we had heroes in mainstream society, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, etc., etc. These people, these young people have none of that. And so what you see in the minds of many 20-year-olds and especially in the many 15-year-olds is... Why should I be Muslim? What is Islam giving to me? And with this political situation, now in addition, it's a sense of, okay, if I'm Muslim, then I'm in big trouble. That's some of them. And the others of them are saying, uh, I can't take this anymore. You know, we have a teachings about the end of times where someone will walk by a grave and say, your plight in the grave is better than my plight being alive. Right? All of us know this. Yes. Okay, so, so the point I want each of us to think about, to acknowledge for ourselves, is that the amount of pressure that is on each and every one of us is something very, very real. And the 20-year-olds are especially facing this, but they have more resilience than the 15-year-olds. And so as we are here talking about the political situation, my focus here is on family and on Dean. I'm making a, a very respectful request to every single one of us in this room to take a look at the condition of your own heart and take a look at the condition of your own family because everyone here is facing a whole lot of pressure. Okay. So after the inauguration, I said at the time of the inauguration, students are coming to me crying now. And now many of them cry on a regular basis. Are we going to become like Syria? Because a lot of these students are Syrian and they've already seen what's happened to their country. Complete devastation. Are we going to be like Palestine? And there is a fear that what if there is another attack on American soil, bigger than Orlando, maybe not as big as 9-11, then what is going to happen to us? Okay? And so there's also this paranoia. So this is the first point I want all of us to think about. How much pressure is on each and every one of us because of all of the rhetoric and because of all the attacks, right? I, I don't know how many firebombings there have been on Muslims. There's another one in Toronto or Tampa just, uh, just a couple days ago. That's point number one. Point number two, about white supremacy, alternative facts, and the current administration. Uh, 
we've been speaking a lot in the news about this thing called alternative facts, which is kind of a sick joke that the people in the administration are making up completely fake stories to justify their, their stances, their, their executive orders, right? They said that there's this, this terrorist attack in Sweden that never happened, a terrorist attack in Bowling Green that never happened. This is not something that began in November. If you watch channels like the Christian Broadcasting Network, and if you, watch, if you listen to Fox News, and if you listen to some of these right-wing talk radio stations, this has actually been going on for years. Where on these stations, they've been saying things like, in Dearborn, Michigan, there's Sharia-only zones, where only Muslims are allowed to go to. This is what's been going on for quite some time. In London, there are places that are Muslim-only zones. In Paris, there are places that are Muslim-only zones. And then they'll show you photographs of Muslims praying for Eid. And in some of these places, the crowds are so large that they have to pray out into the streets. And this will be their proof that they're showing to their audience that Muslims are secretly and openly plotting to take over the world. Sometimes when I go to churches and they raise this point and I say to them, you know, they say, are you, are you guys trying to take over the world? And I'll say, if we're trying to take over the world, we're obviously not doing a very good job of it, right? But the point to think about is that this is not something that just began. Okay? And when we look at what's been being preached in these stations, Trump's election should be no surprise, right? Some people are voting for Trump because they have no jobs and because Trump, like Obama eight years earlier, is presenting himself as somebody from the outside, and then he's going to change the system. Okay. And it should be no surprise if you pay attention to what's been taking place in middle America, what we call the Rust Belt, where all these people are losing their jobs. And they're being told, your jobs are being taken away by the Chinese. Your jobs are being taken away by the Muslims. Your jobs are being taken away by other foreigners, by immigrants. Okay. Why wouldn't they vote for Trump? Okay. In addition, what else is taking place in terms of, 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 of so-called of white supremacy and, and this political system? If you look at the history of every region before a genocide takes place, okay, uh, often there is economic despair. And then you will have people who are profiting by sidelining, by attacking one particular community, which is usually completely innocent. Okay? So when we look at what is taking place in Germany in the 1930s, okay, economy is suffering, and you have Hitler who comes along, who has very little experience in the government, but he is preaching what? Among many other things, he's preaching this new nationalism, and he's preaching it full of rage. Okay? And he's saying, look at these Jews, these, are taking, these people are taking over our country. If you look at what took place in Bosnia in the late 1980s, Again, you had some economic struggle, and then you had these Serbian politicians who are saying, look at these Muslims, and this is literally what they were saying. They're trying to take away our women. They're allowed to marry four wives. They're going to marry all their wives. They're going to take all of our women. This is literally what was happening there. Okay. Now, what is the key issue? They're taking advantage of economic despair, and they're blaming your problems on someone else. Okay and they're filling you up with anger. And you and I all know that this is what's been taking place in this society. I'm not telling you that genocide is going to happen, that genocide is going to happen to us, but you and I all know that there's no signs that things are going to get easier anytime soon. Okay? And so what I'm also saying, the first point is to look at the condition of the hearts and the level of peace in your households, and let's also be realistic about what's happening in our society. The positive side is that, as you and I have seen, many, many, many people have been pushing back saying, this is our country, you can't take this away from us. And this is also a point I want each and every one of us to think about. How many people have been living here for more than 10 years? Raise your hand. 
Okay, just about everybody in the room. You own this country as much as everyone else does. Okay, no one can take this country away from you unless you let them do so. Okay, like when I ask ten-year-olds, when you think of an American, what does that person look like? And all of them say somebody white, right? <clears throat> Even though their whole lives the president has been a black American. Okay, and you and I all understand that. But the point to think about is the default of America is not somebody white. Okay? The default of America is anybody who's paying their taxes. Okay? That's everybody in this room, hopefully. Right? The default of America is everyone in this room. And what is my point? You and I own this country. There are many people standing up with us saying the same thing. Okay? Which also means we can't rely upon them to only stand up for us. Okay. I mean, Ahmad has been at many, many of these protests. He'll tell you how many non-Muslims are there. And he can also tell us what is the percentage of Muslims and non-Muslims. And what this also means is that there's other groups that are, that are at risk, like DACA, undocumented, usually Latinos, but you and I know that in our community we have any, many undocumented people. When the push is happening against them, you and I have to also stand up for them. Okay. We have to stand up for the other minority groups. But now this leads to my final point. When we speak from the perspective of deen, one of my favorite ayats in the Quran, you find a few of them, I should say, in Surah Ali Imran. And this one comes about two-thirds of the way of Surah Ali Imran, where the hypocrites are saying, look, all these people are rounding up against you. And what do the people of, what happens to the people of Iman? What happens to them? It increases their Iman. It increases their trust in Allah. And so what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? On the one hand, the fear is reasonable. The fear is justified. But you and I know that the promise of Allah is true. Okay? And so what does that then mean? That I also have to look at the condition of Iman in my heart. That if I'm full of fear... Alhamdulillah, seek refuge in Allah, that's an increase of your iman. But when you see these people who are lining up against us, you know, in North Carolina, somebody, or maybe I think it was North Carolina, somebody literally just announced that they're going to go out and kill all the Muslims that they can, doctors or whatever. Okay? When you and I hear that, that should also increase our iman. Because you and I know that the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faced way more than any of us did and way more than any of us will. Okay. And the second ayah from Surah Ali Imran is the very, very, very last ayah. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sabiru wa sabiru wa rabitu wa taqullah la'allakum tuflihun. O you who believe, be ready and be very ready and then persevere and Allah is with those who have taqwa. What are we saying here, my beloved brothers and sisters? At the end of the day, if my fear is leading me to give up my salah, then shaitan is winning. If my fear is leading me to increase my salah, then inshallah, you and I are winning. Right? And that's basically the bottom line. This does not mean we then abandon the protest. This does not mean we abandon planning. That's where Ahmad comes in. But I'm saying, do not forget Allah Ta'ala in your heart. Because the, one of the beautiful things about the way the world works, and I'll finish here, is that when you are afraid of something, like a spider, what do you do? You run away from the spider. When you are afraid of Allah, where do you go? You run to Allah. Okay, so with that, thank you very much for your time.
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa